Welcome to another episode of Heretics. I've got a cough. I'm going to try and get through this without coughing everywhere. On Saturday, as often, do things a little bit differently. Monday and Thursday, as you know, we do the in-person um, episodes. They're a bit intense, so Saturday I try to do something like Scientology or the Royals, uh, something a bit more gossipy and light-hearted and different. And I, I like the idea that people who are listening to some of that stuff in the middle of the week uh, might be like, oh, I don't really know much about what's going on with uh, the Royals or, or or Tom Cruise and Scientology right now or whatever it might be. It just, you know. So I did this as a live stream on YouTube with Kinsey Schofield, who's um, a lot of fun and she's a great um, royal correspondent, often on all sorts of different TV channels. She has a YouTube channel. She has an Instagram as well. Just look her up on Kinsey Schofield. Uh, but she has a YouTube channel called To Die For Daily. Die is spelled D-I because she's a big fan of Lady Diana. Um, and we are talking today about what's happening in the royal family, which is this huge dilemma that Harry has with regards to does he go home while his dad is in the hospital with, um, she explains the kind of thing he's having done on his prostate, um, and Kate as well. <coughs> God, I'm getting through this, I'm getting through this. God, nothing worse on a podcast than, than, than coughing. Um, or do they stay back in Montecito and collect an award for being an amazing army person, which is just insane, really. Um, because this was done live and because I've been ill all week, it's a little bit... Um, the audio quality is not quite... I mean, the audio itself sounds fine, but there are gaps and things that we've just not had time to, to sort out. I'm doing this literally a few hours before this goes out on the podcast um, because the last few days I've just been in bed and I knew I needed something for Saturday so I've sort of crawled out of bed. I messaged Kinsey and she was so good as to do this pretty last minute. Um, so do go and follow her of course. Remember that's To Die For Daily and I hope that you find this gossip worthy royal episode of interest. There is big news today um, about, well, we're, we're thinking, we were just talking about this earlier. Prince Harry, what is the dilemma that he faces right now? I, I think the dilemma that he faces right now is that he is expected, according to the Telegraph, to make his first official public appearance in 2024 tonight in Beverly Hills at the Living Legends of Aviation Awards. Um, that's happening. Uh, I'm sure that there will be a big red carpet and lots of celebrities. I know that Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez are expected to be there. He's the founder of Amazon. Um, I know that John Travolta is expected to be there and most likely has something to do with Harry uh, being put up for this award. We read via the sun over the summer that John Travolta had spent some time with Harry and Megan um, at the Polo Lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel. These awards are produced by the Kitty Hawk Air Academy. That's a nonprofit with a mission to spark children's interest in aviation. Why you'd want to introduce them to Prince Harry, who's always talking about token and smoke, and I don't know, but God bless. According to their website, the awards are meant to highlight people who have made various contributions to the field including pilots who have become celebrities and celebrities who have become pilots. Uh, this is funny to me. Previous honorees include William Shatner and Kenny G. I've never seen a better, a better, you know, head full of hair than Kenny G. Um, it's obviously got the internet talking though, the idea of giving Prince Harry this award because his his limited service, his his limited career in the aviation world, um, 
you know, what technically has he done to to make a name for himself in this very specific niche? Um, but there is going to be criticism if he does show up this evening, walk the carpet, take the glamorous photos, accept the trophy, and um, you know, give a, a gushing speech where he would undoubtedly mention his grand mother, which because he always does, Queen Elizabeth II, um, because we know that the Princess of Wales is currently in hospital and is expected to be there for several weeks. We won't see her again publicly until after Easter. She had that pre-scheduled, according to Kensington Palace, you know, um, abdominable surgery. That's not a word, <laughs> abdomen surgery. And then we have the king who has uh, surgery scheduled in the next few weeks, I believe, or in the next week, we're going to um, ha have to be praying for the king who has surgery coming up as well. These are both non-emergency medical issues, but it has forced both of them and Prince William to delay previously planned public engagements. So there it's worrisome in in, in that case um but uh, the king's going to undergo a corrective procedure for an enlarged prostate so people do wonder why the duke and duchess of sussex haven't acknowledged it um there are this story circulating today that perhaps they found out about it through the media which by can you blame could you blame the palace for not reaching out to them directly they haven't really proven themselves trustworthy and i just think it might be a really bad look if Harry and Meghan show up looking glamorous, walking the carpet with all of these celebrities, because it just makes them look so cold towards their relatives. But I also wouldn't be that surprised because we saw how Meghan handled all of Thomas Markle's issues, which was by completely ignoring it. Yeah, they well, they are they do just come across across as quite callous and at the same time they're supposed to be very charitable they've got all these charities and things which i suppose is partly what harry's receiving that award for do you think there is any chance that he does fly back to be by his father's side i don't know if he's necessarily welcome there at this point in time they i, I said this i think around christmas and i just meant you know how we wind down at the end of the year and, and like to take a beat and just look over everything and and just take a moment to breathe. I felt felt like the royal family needed time to heal at the end of last year, especially when creeping up on Christmas, here comes Omid Scobie's book to disrupt, right? Um, but in this particular case, they really do need some time to heal. They really, really need some time to physically recover, mentally recover, um, this is a sacred time. And one thing I took away from Robert Hardman's new book about the king was he was going over the last, at the end of the day after Queen Elizabeth had died and everybody was finally there. You know, um, Prince Harry getting on his own jet and showing up hours later, Prince William's there, everybody is within the vicinity. Um, Robert Hardman writes about how the king needed to have this vital but discreet discussion with Prince William. They've got to run through everything that's expected of them over the next few days and hours and seconds. and. I do believe that they were kind of caught off guard by the queen's death, no matter how sick she was towards the end of her life. You know, the king was surprised at, at her loss. Um, he, I think he was 
it took him a moment. And Robert Hardman says in the years gone by, that moment where the king needs to rally with, with Prince William would have automatically included Prince Harry because they were a team. And, he, and Hardman says, not anymore. This was clearly not an occasion for an opening of hearts and minds with Prince Harry potentially writing a, a, a forthcoming book, which we now know to be spare. And we now know that included very hurtful things about Prince William. So physical healing, they need rest. I just don't think that this is the time for Prince Harry to jump on a plane and, and try to make amends because they, the Sussexes, solo or together, tend to bring drama and the family just needs peace and quiet. Mm. So he's in this sort of dilemma now because he's damned if he does, damned if he, he can't really fly uh, to the UK because it makes it all about him. He can't go and collect his award. If he doesn't collect his award, it also looks like a bit of a slap in the face to the award ceremony. So he can't really win in this case, can he? I mean, how does one person continuously put themselves in that exact situation? Because I feel like <laughs> yeah. you cover them as regularly as I do. How often do we say, damned if they do, damned if they don't? Should he show up to the coronation? Should Megan show up to the coronation? We will all sit and fixate on why Megan didn't show up if she doesn't show up. If Harry doesn't show up, we'll be angry that he didn't show up. If he does show up, we'll think, how could he have the audacity to do that after all that's been said and done? This is a guy that continuously finds himself in a pickle. And then earlier today, we saw him drop and I, I have to be careful in the way I say this because I don't want to say anything incorrectly but he was pursuing a libel claim against the mail on Sunday over these articles about his security arrangements when he wanted to return to the UK and he said that the newspaper alleged that he had tried to keep these negotiations secret you know um, that he was clashing with the government over the issue. He was he was misleading the public about the situation. So, you know, classic Harry investigation. And he has withdrawn that, which is going to cost him an estimated $750,000 in not only his own attorney's fees, but the, the, the mail on Sundays as well. So this is a guy that's going through a lot right now. I'm sure he would like the, a moment to collect a trophy and have a room, you know, have there be a standing ovation over him. But the reality is it just it would not be a good look. I, I do feel like they feel like they're in a corner right now. They have so much to prove and there's got to feel, I mean, they've got to feel defeated in some way over the last 24 months. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a difficult one. And this is the same week, of course, that they've been roundly criticised for apparently inventing the claim that uh, Queen Elizabeth was fine with them naming their daughter after her, what, what would you call it, her nickname, Lilibet? Right. This was like such a sacred, unique nickname. This isn't like calling Kinsey Kins or Megan Meg or M or whatever those that, that those guys do. This was a nickname that was given to the Queen by her immediate family when both Queen Elizabeth and Princess Margaret were unable to pronounce the word Elizabeth as Lilibet. And it was just a sweet little nickname that the closer you got to the Queen, which is no one, you know, that true inner circle, like Prince Philip, her sister, her father, who she just was just so in love with, um, the, the queen loved her father, you know, 
that core group called her this nickname. Prince Harry never called her this nickname. You know, it's, it's so bizarre to me. Um, and that is what Harry and Meghan named their their daughter, Princess Elizabeth Diana. And, um, you know, Robert Hardman did talk to page six about this because it, the accusations are coming up again in Robert Hardman's book. He says that the queen was like the angriest anyone had ever seen her over Prince Harry going to the public and saying, no, we got the queen's blessing. Now, the, the queen was angry because Harry was saying and, and actually trying to pressure the palace into siding with the Sussexes over this name. Uh, when page six confronted Hardman about the contradictions, did Harry call the queen and ask, you know, did Harry call the queen and inform her or have this conversation in general about the name? Or did the queen not give them permission to, de to use the name? And he said, both of those stories can be true. Um, perhaps Harry did call the queen, but did not request a blessing, told her this is how it's going to be, or put her in a position where she felt like she could not deny him the right to name his daughter Lilibet. Uh, I've also wondered too, if maybe he said, we, we're gonna name her Lily after you, because they do actually refer to her as Lily. And I do believe that the Prince and Princess of Wales initially referred to her as Lily in their tweet, you know, congratulating the Sussexes on her birth. So I, I've also often wondered, did he just say, oh, we're gonna name her Lily after you? I, I don't know. I don't know what the circumstances are, but Hardman saying both stories can be true. Perhaps Harry just said, we're, this is what we're going to do. So the queen was angry because she didn't feel like she was even given the opportunity to give her blessing. But it's not, you know, it's not a good look. It, it's also like hard for people that aren't hardcore royal watchers to digest the fact that this is a racist, according to Harry and Meghan, a racist, unfair, bullying institution, but you would want to name your child after the head of that institution. So it's interesting to kind of watch the feedback online from people that have been so closely, you know, captivated by the story versus people that are just kind of following along, definitely saw the Oprah interview, but um, they don't necessarily have, a team in the game and they're like wait why would these people want to name their child after somebody that is the basically the the mascot for this institution that is so evil yeah i suppose that's that's the whole hypocrisy that people find so difficult about them in the first place isn't it this idea of they're the worst people in the world but i'm going to still be called the sussexes i'm still going to go by hrh i'm still going to use that in my promotions for my coffee uh companies uh, that i want to promote and things like that and i think that's what winds people up by all means fall out with the family loads of people fall out with their families but then go do your own thing stop asking everybody else for money hey it's andrew if you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take 
to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Do you think there's extra weight to all of this? The fact that, you know, he's supposed to collect this award. He's had a very difficult week. Um, and the fact that the two people who are ill and hospitalized um, are the two people, um, um, Charles and Kate, who were named in the Dutch edition of Omid Scobie's Endgame as the, the people who had made apparently allegedly racist comments about the baby. Right. I mean, we didn't even, did we even get the, the I don't even think we got the description of what they said that was apparently so bad. I, I think about that often, like how we just had to go on, go so fast and furious in a direction with so little detail. Um, but um, wow, I, I guess that's an interesting question. I, I wonder if, the fact that they haven't said anything or made any effort to acknowledge it reinforces the fact that it was those two individuals. I mean, that's my first takeaway from that question. Um, but at the end of the day, I'd also stress that I think that both of those people are like the least racist <laughs> that I can possibly imagine. And I never thought that I always felt like it was an unfortunate game of telephone and two people that have proven to be highly sensitive overreacting to something. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It, it, I had a chat with Andrew Loney, the um, publisher. He's a, he's a publisher. Oh my gosh. Royal your, your chats with him have been so good. I just want you to visualize Kinsey Schofield in Los Angeles, California, painting on her eyebrows. Like... <laughs> drawing them off her face because 
I'm like throwing my head back like, wait, what did he just say? Like scrolling back 10 seconds at a time. If you're watching me right now and you have not watched those conversations, please go look those up on Andrew's channel because um, they are just absolutely fabulous. There's so much detailed description, new information that you haven't heard, and it's going to make you rethink your position on everything from Prince Andrew to Mountbatten. Those are really great conversations. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. <clears throat> I, I've, I've, I'll, I'll pay you afterwards what I promised you for promoting the, <laughs> the new channel. No, I'm just joking. But that's, that's Heretics, everyone, if you want to go over and check that out. And Andrew said in that, and you're right, he's, he's brilliant and he's, he's so, so good. And I was so lucky that he you know, came on. And he was saying um, that he can't conceive of a way that Omid Scobie didn't do this deliberately to put, you know, and that that was part of the plan to reveal that. What do you think about that? Well, I'd say it's... We've got two individuals within Harry and Meghan. We're talking about how litigious they are. These are two people that do not hesitate to, and I've actually had them through a friend, through a third party, they'll come out and say something that I've said is not true. So I've personally experienced this. If Harry and Meghan do not like a story that is reported about them, they, you know, quite often will have a, either a third party come out and say it's not true, or they will have an official R12 person say that that's not true. For instance, was it the King's birthday that they wanted to make sure everyone knew they were not invited to it and it wasn't that they were ignoring it? It was something, something like that recently. Um, mm. But Harry and Meghan have still not denied that a, uh, that they participated in the second book because we know that they lied about participating in the first book, Finding Freedom. And Harry and Meghan still haven't come out to say that what was written in the D Dutch version of that book is not true. So, uh, I mean, the, we know for a fact that if they really loathe a narrative, they try to stop the presses. They try to insert themselves. They threaten people, specifically with the Lilibet story. They threaten the BBC. Uh, saying that it was disparaging and, and libelous. So um, we know that they will insert themselves if they don't like a story. And they sat back and watched the fireworks when it came to the Omen Scobie book. Was it a PR stunt or, you know, a, a st sheer stupidity? I, I'd say it's probably the return on investment was not there because I think it harmed Omid Scobie's credibility for forever. I think that there will be certain news outlets that look at him and go, he's just a fame seeker. He's just, he just, he wants attention. Also, he does, he does not appear necessarily, in my opinion, to be the most honest individual. And then I also think that uh, the return on investment wasn't there when it came to just how many people bought the book when we were looking at numbers regularly i think it was maybe between four and six thousand in the united states that first week that you know and um that twilight sold a hell of a lot more if if i'm being honest so i don't know i i just i think it's interesting that harry and megan never stepped up and said we'd like to disassociate fully from this guy yeah that's interesting because they denied the first one and then <clears throat> it emerged that they were part of the, the first book that he wrote or the other book he wrote. I think it is one of those books, that Scobie one, where we really are just interested in the serialised parts that come out in the newspapers. And I know those are done to sell the book, and I understand that, but 
at the same time, we're like, okay, well, we've read those juicy bits. And he's even come out and said, this is not a book about Meghan and Harry. Obviously, that's the only bits that anyone was interested in reading anyway. So no one wants to read just Omid Scobie, who's got no credibility, yeah. writing a history book about the rest of the royals or, or whatever it might be. So I'm not surprised that didn't do well, despite all the PR stuff. And the other thing with him that, you know, we reached out to him to see if he'd come on and just didn't hear back. And I know, okay, he would have got a hard time, but he would have reached a really large audience. I mean, if, if Omid came on here, it would, it would be huge. And he did go on some sort of mainstream ones that didn't get anywhere near as much as we'd get on YouTube, you know? So I don't know. Um, I don't know why. I guess he knew that he'd be held to scrutiny. He didn't want that. He could have gone on. Would you have had him on to, to die for daily? I would not have, um, but I did <clears throat> see him there. I have to be, can I just throw this out there? The, the, mm. the Royal podcasting community is full of mean girls. So I did see him on some of the mean girls podcast. I'd say that they're, uh, I, they're not as provocative as I am. They don't really kind of pursue this, this, the same guests that I do. So when I saw him on there, I thought that's a good get for them, but mostly because they're boring. But I, I, was, I knew that they'd kiss up to him. And that's why he didn't come on your show, because you would have challenged him and you would have asked him some tough questions. And so he mm -hmm. pandered to the people that were going to be like, oh, my God, I love you. Like, you know, and, and that's who he went and talked to. And you know, enjoy, like, if you're into that, then I enjoy, but that's, I'd rather die in a fire than, than listen to that <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it does sound a bit boring, unfortunately, doesn't it? Um, and where is, where is, <coughs> sorry, God, it's not fun listening to a podcast of coughing. Um, where is Megan in all of this? Will she, you know, will she be pushing Harry like, hey, you know, don't be going back there. I want you to go and win this award. Is that going to be more of a thing, like build up their kind of reputation? I feel so lost when it comes to Meghan Markle right now, because if you would have asked me two months ago if I saw her creating a uh, Instagram, a viral ad for a coffee company, I would have told you you were crazy and that she probably thought she was way too good for that. Um, so when it comes to what is going on in her head, I, I'm at a complete loss these days. Uh, is she going to say it looks good for us to go accept an award from John Travolta because it, it, it because people will immediately make the connection to John Travolta on the dance floor with your mom in Washington, DC? Absolutely. I think that she's going to think bigger picture, let's have a night, a glamorous night with John Travolta and remind everyone that Princess Diana is your mother because that is really one of the only things that gives them credit aside from their relation to the royal family in the United States. Americans love Princess Diana and we love that pop culture, you know, those kind of classic pop culture moments that you just can't fake like Travolta and Diana on the dance floor. Um, so I can see her saying, bigger picture, we should do this. And it might change everyone's tone about us. And it might change some of the headlines in our favor. Um, but, but the unfortunate reality is she did a world tour to collect participation trophies for the last two years for a podcast that failed. And so, you know, what do you do with all those trophies? Are they still on the mantle, even though Spotify won't return your calls anymore? It looks kind of the, the, the constant trophy collection. It looks kind of silly. And I think the you you said it earlier, they want to take them so seriously when it comes to their charity work. And um, they need to focus more on quality contributions, whether that be how to grow Invictus, um, uh, 
why do they not work with the homeless in Los Angeles? We have the worst homeless problem in Los Angeles. Why don't they work with, you know, San Francisco it has a horrible homeless issue. Um, you know, it just feels like, the, and most of those homeless are vets, which is Harry's niche, you know? So I think that if they spent more time focused on contributing quality um, content and, and contribution, and and that maybe that is just going into producing and creating really good work for Netflix versus some of these PR stunts, which is just wearing a glamorous dress and, and, and th thanking the Academy for whatever. I think that they would have a lot more success, but we kind of hard roll our eyes at the thought of them accepting another trophy when it feels like we when when we've seen the tax filings that say they work one day a week for Archwell, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'd love a trophy for working one day a week, but I work seven. <laughs> well, I think this is why, again, a lot of people, and I'm sure you get it as well, say, why are you covering this kind of thing? What is it to you? And that kind of, all that stuff. And I do get that. But I do think there is also I think Harry and Meghan in particular, but there are other aspects of the royals as well and celebrity culture and Hollywood. They get away with murder. They get away with so much. And they, and I think I would extend this to a lot of Hollywood, a lot of actors. I don't know why we venerate actors to such a high extent, like higher than gods, higher than the people who, who actually wrote the movies that we watch. They're just people who do, you know, they have it all written for them and they win all these awards. They go around collecting awards. And we've seen your example there with Meghan, you know, the worst podcast of all time, even Spotify admitted it. She's going around winning loads of awards for it. Um, that's how meaningless awards are. It's basically just, please come and you know be part of our thing because you've got a face that we know, and we know your face because you married a guy. That needs to be called out in society. I, I really think it does, and that's why we spend time in it. Um, do you think John Travolta might be inviting her into Scientology? Oh, that's right, because you cover a lot of Scientology stuff too. Um, I don't know. That's a really good question because I have thought before that I never really hear Harry and Meghan talk about God. I've, I never really hear them talk about religion. They say that Meghan is a very spiritual person and I believe her mom and dad actually met at, oh no, they, they met at General Hospital, but they, they did get married in a very specific church that um, Meghan's mom attended. Um, she, Megan's into yoga. I know in general she's a spiritual person, but I really don't know where she lands on the idea of, of Jesus Christ or, um, you know, just what, what she's into. So are they open to things like that? I think that's a fair question. Perhaps, perhaps they are open to things like that. I have always heard that John Travolta's commitment to Scientology was through his wife. And I, I, you know, I'm not questioning the man's spiritual journey. I'm not questioning. I, I don't want. I don't want there to be headlines that say Kinsey Schofield says John Travolta is no longer a Scientologist because that's not true. But I do believe his faith. A lot of his faithfulness to Scientology was uh, surrounded by his wife, and she's unfortunately no longer here. So I don't know how committed he continues to be with the church that is a you know there's a huge question mark surrounding that um that relationship to me i, I know he's still a member of scientology uh but is he as dead 
vacated with his wife gone? I'm not sure. That is a question I would be curious to find mm -hmm. the answer to. So is he out doing the recruitment thing? I don't really think so. I think that he sees in Prince Harry somebody that is lost and is trying to give them some a helping hand and you know he knew his mother he knew his he briefly they met but they were in a very weird position where everyone in the world knew who they were everyone in the world loved them you loved john travolta at that time you loved princess diana at the time that's a lot of attention on you that you have to process um so they were in this little club that not everybody could relate to and i think that we all were devastated when we lost princess diana so I think that Travolta sympathizes with Harry and is trying to to help somebody that seems really lost and adjust like like you know my friend my my friend uses the word rudderless when it comes to the Sussexes like where are you going like what are you doing and and so perhaps that's what this is Travolta trying to put an arm around him and and say I'm going to introduce you to all these people and you're going to you're going to get a standing ovation and it's going to look great for you um, but will will he be recruiting them into the church of scientology that would be an interesting episode of south park <laughs> that would be a great they would have to get right on it i think because they've it's like a crossover <laughs> episode of their former episodes um but yeah i i've heard the same thing that he's not that passionate about scientology um and that he and tom cruise apparently don't even like each other some people have <clears throat> suggested it's because, well, you're not supposed to be gay in Scientology. Um, it's against something called the tone scale. And obviously Tom Cruise is a fully fledged big, big on Scientology. And there are right. a lot of rumors about um, John Travolta and sort of the massage parlors and some of the things that have been reported in the, in the news. So apparently that's right. a big problem uh, between them. And it means John Travolta doesn't get like a big seat at the table anymore. It's, uh, it's all are Tom you, Cruise. Are you saying that John Travolta <clears throat> does not get the Christmas cake, the, the pineapple Christmas cake that everybody gets? <laughs> no. What is that? Hang on. I don't know about that. Is there a pineapple Christmas cake? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tom Cruise sends every like sends over a hundred people a year um, every Christmas this like very specific cake, and before we all got hyper aware of climate change, he would actually fly them on his private jet all over the world to people. What? This cake? Wow. I mean, it's all about a cake. So what? So what you're telling me is. John Travolta is not receiving the cake. Actually, when Brooke Shields and Tom Cruise got into it over depression and medication, that's when he stopped sending Brooke Shields the cake. Wow. Isn't that weird that Tom Cruise and John Travolta are both like connected by being these weird Hollywood 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, like since the 80s action movie stars who are both Scientologists and both are pilots. Oh, yeah. And still don't like each other. Interesting. Yeah because there have been questions about the sexuality of one of them, although probably both of them, really. God. I mean, that sounds that sounds super judgy, but okay, Tom Cruise. <laughs> I guess you've well, earned it. 
<laughs> it's part of the whole. I think um, um, L. Ron Hubbard, the creator of Scientology, he he compared homosexuality to deviance and beastliness and stuff like that. So you you can't be a fully fledged uh, Scientologist, and you know, um, you know what you were saying about um, Megan and the coffee. So so she, she this. Tell us a little bit about that. She is like some friend, or is it a person she just started championing for some reason? I suppose it's slightly on brand because it's supposed to be very eco-friendly and stuff like that, right? Well, we originally heard about this coffee when Megan sent a huge basket to Oprah, and Oprah posted about it on social media, and that was years ago. Uh, but Megan is an investor in this company. It's called Clever Blends, I believe, or it's called Clever Coffee, and. You know, Megan's been an investor for at least three years that I know of, but um, and they do mention her, I believe, on their website. But we didn't see much of her in association with the brand over the last few years as, as she's been pursuing things like Spotify, becoming a podcaster and and reality star. Um, but over the Christmas holiday, there was a Instagram video where Clever was thanking their customers for a great 2023. And within this video where they're kind of like talking about some of the highlights of the year, Megan pops up at the background and they joke that she looks like an intern because she's got, you know, glasses on and she's working away at a computer or she's like stocking things or she's carrying a lot of boxes. And at the very end, they try to humanize her when she goes to give somebody a high five and misses and then like cracks up laughing. Um, I feel to this day that because of Obin Scobie's book, there was so much chatter about Harry and Meghan. And Meghan likely agreed to do this video uh, because she wanted to have the last laugh. And she wanted to say like, I'm going to do this video and all of you are going to be talking about the coffee that I invested in. And people might buy this coffee now because you're talking about this coffee that I invest in. So I think it was her trying to have the upper hand. I thought it looked kind of silly and and um, below yeah, a, a duchess title, certainly. Uh, but it's not the worst thing in the world that she's done because I've seen Beverly Hills 90210, the, the remake. <laughs> <laughs> was she in that? I didn't even know. Oh my gosh, she's giving she's in someone her face is in someone's lap at the very beginning of the pilot oh my god i gotta see that how are you i'm i'm appalled that you don't know about this is one of my favorite things because my whole argument about her not being accepted into the british royal family is are yeah. you kidding me had anyone else in their life brought home a girl who was doing that in the first episode of beverly hills 90210 there's no way that they would can you imagine if William said, I want to marry that kind of footage existed of her on, on the internet? Absolutely no way. I mean, th that tells you right there that the royal family, they made some, some I don't know, they, they, they changed the rules for Harry, okay? They changed yeah. the rules. They accepted some things that wouldn't have been accepted previously so that Harry could have his happily ever after. And what did he do in return? He gave them the finger and rushed off to America to do reality television. Oh my God. Hang on. I found a picture. There we go. Can you see that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's her getting up, I suppose. It's, it's a sort of yes. uh, one we can at least show. Um, that's incredible. Yes. I've never seen this. Wow. So she's doing wow. that. And then he's, is she one of the main characters? She was not. She, I believe she actually had a name. 
um, and I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was Sarah, but she was supposed to be like the hot, cool, loose girl that occasionally was spotted in the background. And I don't know, you know, obviously I think you take a job like that, hoping that somebody recognizes your potential and, and gives you a, a larger job. But um, I also think that if you think that your life could ever become what it is today, the Duchess of Sussex, you, you say no to that job because you don't want that stuff out there. <laughs> oh my God. Again, like, look, if she'd, if she'd joined and been like really part, you know, acted a bit like how Kate has done, like dutiful and not complained about stuff, it would have been fine. But uh, that didn't, that doesn't help the 90210 thing, does it? No, no, no. Um, I, I don't know. I, and I, I keep getting asked if she's going to be in the Suits reboot based on the character descriptions for a potential reboot of Suits. One, I, you know, they say sounds a lot similar to her. I feel like if she really had any um, desire to return to that family, she would have participated in the reunion at the Golden Globes, that just momentary stage presentation. Um, I don't think she really enjoyed her time there. I think she felt uh, a little bit, you know, she fought to get a car to drive her to work. She, she was lower on the call sheet than other people. I don't think they made her feel good about herself. And so I don't know if that's a place where she wants to go back. I think that she probably thinks that she is a little higher up these days than than being on on the suits reboot no matter how cool it has become today. Mm, I saw some of the suits actors being asked and they were saying we we don't even have her number. Like we wouldn't even know yeah. how to get hold of her anymore. She's like at a at a completely different level now. Um people get get some questions in. Have you got some questions for Kinsey just for the uh next bit of time? Um let us know. Put some put question at the beginning in capital letters so that we can see. And while they're coming up with some questions, tell us a bit about what's going on on your brilliant channel these days. What kinds of things are you posting on there? Well, I have been procrastinating. Um, well, I haven't been procrastinating. You know that the royal world is crazy. So I have an interview that I need to edit so badly, but I've, all, the, all of this breaking news happened. First, it was Prince Andrew. Then, um, then it was this aviation thing, which, oh my gosh. Now we've got the king and Princess Catherine uh, with their their medical issues but i spoke to stephanie who is the woman from the washington dc area who traveled to sandringham for christmas and met prince william uh, outside the church and he this video has gone viral on tiktok of william talking to stephanie and he's like you are the best dressed woman here and it is just the cutest interaction uh, and i want to get it uploaded and i want because she is a character she is hilarious and ju just a true royal watcher and true royal lover but we need some good news for the Wales family so that's really why i'd like to get this up and uploaded uh within the next 48 hours i did um i talked to barry levine who wrote the spider about hmm. prince andrew and uh, jeffrey epstein and that was a fascinating chat to talk to someone that has no you know, no skin in the game. They don't, you know, they're, they're not worried about the royal family, just kind of a, a tough New Yorker who just wanted to get to the bottom of it as an, you know, uh, an investigative journalist. So uh, it, that was a really interesting conversation. And that, that was my last upload last week. Um, but 
uh, so much news in the royal sphere. It's kind of exhausting. It is an amazing channel, though. I think you are like the the person. I think you're the best royal correspondent because um, you actually just say what you think and you're not worried about it. And I, I love that. And whenever you're on here as well, people go wild for it. Just everyone's coming in. So by that same you know same logic, they will love going on your channel. So so they they do need to go and check that out. Um, that is to die for daily, uh, and it's in the it's in the description. So just click that, and you will get along t- to it. Um, so. So questions, wait, questions. Okay, well, here's one that's challenging us. Single Mama No Drama says, why are they criticizing Harry's award? Have they even reviewed the criteria for the award or checked the resumes of past awardees? Well, we know the answer to that. What, what do you th- say to that? Um, I mean, I think that the reason, I think that the reason people are criticizing Harry's award is because it seems like all Harry and Meghan do are collect awards. And I, you know, maybe he does fit in it. I mean, maybe he does sit well, you know, maybe he fits right in next to Kenny G and William Shatner. I think that that sounds like a party I'd go to. But um, I think that the reason that he's criticized over it is because it feels like all they do is accept awards. And the living legend title is absolutely cringe. If I were that award ceremony, I'd say, let's let's restructure this because, um, you know, it's living legend is, is is a pretty aggressive title. He wasn't always in danger. He was often sort of doing things from afar, like remotely controlled things. He was look. He did stuff that I wouldn't do, like army stuff. You know, I wouldn't like put myself and do that. So I respect him for that. Um, at the same time, there are people who have like done so much more than him who will never get an award, and he has enough awards. And I just think it's a really mad thing to right. do. So that's what I think. Um, and and just see. for okay. um, and just for single mama, no no drama. We we did go over the fact that the leg- the living legend of aviation award um, was produced by Kitty Hawk Air Academy. We've already gone all over. This is a nonprofit with a mission to spark children's interest in aviation. And yet again, I will remind you that this is a man that goes on television and in books and in TV shows and promotes the use of drugs. So, you know, what uh, I would stress, would you really want this individual influencing your child? But according to their website, the awards are meant to highlight people who've made various contributions to the field, including pilots who have become celebrities and celebrities who've become pilots. So we clearly stated that. I'm criticizing it because I don't. I think that there are probably other people that are a little bit more worthy than Prince Harry, who has spent three years on his soapbox complaining about his relatives. Yeah, well, there you go. Hope that's a good answer for single mama, no drama. Um, right. The question from Krista F says, "Who did the background check at the palace on her? Are they talking about Meghan or about you?" I think that they're likely talking about Meghan because when before the palace will even acknowledge that you are within the fold, they do extensive background checks. They want to know where you came from, you know, because she also had to get clearance to go in and out of Kensington Palace when she was just Prince Harry's girlfriend before the world knew about her. So um, they do do those kinds of checks before they announce that you are Harry's girlfriend. They they're basically putting an endorsement on you when they do that. So they are going to just so that there aren't any surprises along the way, they're going to do a check on you. And, and in, when it comes to sort of some of the more 
salacious material. Maybe Harry discusses it in Spare. I can't, I can't remember what my source material is here, but Harry has discussed Megan being upset over some kind of vulgar imagery of her online that was taken as screenshots from suits. Um, so we have heard about issues like that at the beginning of their relationship where people called her out for things and she thought it was unfair because it was a TV show and, and it kind of is, let's be honest. Uh, but mm -hmm. the palace does do background checks. And again, I think that they made an exception. Harry was clearly very smitten with this woman. And I think that their ultimate objective was to see Prince Harry happy and uh, in love. So they made an exception for him in this case. Um, Deborah with capital letters says, why is the American army allowing Harry in? Is, is the American army allowing Harry in? I have no idea what that's in reference to. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think it's just a, a confusion. Maybe. It's because it's the, it's, it would be the British army that are giving him the awards, wouldn't it? Although, yeah, where, where is that? Where, where oh, is no, that this, is the living, this is the living legends oh, of thing, aviation. Right. And this is happening okay. in Beverly Hills tonight. I see. So it's not the American army. It's this whole separate thing. And Fair Maiden, have you seen her Grilling Burgers video for GQ? Any thoughts on that? I haven't sat down and watched all of it. I've seen clips of it. Look, I mean, I don't think that I would be lying if I didn't say Meghan Markle was an incredible hustler before she met Prince Harry. She and I mean that in a positive light. She was her own best publicist. She was her own best uh, brand recruiter. It was Megan up at midnight emailing Bobby Brown saying, I'd love to discuss your makeup on the TIG. This is the television show I'm on. Here are our ratings. This is how many seasons we've been on. This is what I do. Um, Megan marketed herself very well. Look at who she, you know, she ended up with a prince. She literally went from Hallmark actress to, a, you know, a duchess. So I think that, um, while I, I'm going to have to go back and watch the GQ video in full, I think that that was all a part of the strategy to build her personal brand because she didn't want to be, you know, as low as she was on the call sheet. She wanted to be celebrated and, and acknowledged more than she was being at the time. Um, Kinsey, you've been absolutely brilliant, uh, as always, and we'll get you back on soon if you're willing. Thank you, Kinsey Schofield, for coming on the podcast at such late notice. Um, that sort of saved me. I, I don't want to ever have a missing day. What will people do if they can't download this podcast? And it's something that I'm always really up for talking about. I'm not above some of the uh, more sensationalist and gossipy sides of things. I think they could be interesting. Not everything has to be a very serious culture war. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed that as well. If you're still here listening, you probably did. Uh, go and check out To Die For Daily, Die spelled as Die as in Diana, Kinsey's brilliant YouTube channel. And I'll see you all next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.